chapter 24. I'm going to begin reading in verse 30, and we'll read on through verse 35. In verse 30, the Bible says, uh, and Luke 24, And it came to pass, as he set it meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. You may be seated. What we're looking at here in the book of Luke is the account of Jesus Christ after the resurrection. And so we, if you go back and you read the whole chapter, you'll find out what's taking place. And they'd already been to the tomb, and uh, uh, Mary and uh, Joanna and uh, Mary, the mother of James, had already been down to the tomb. Uh, Peter was aware of the fact that Jesus had risen. Uh, Peter uh, knew that this had occurred. And so now what takes place is there's a couple of the disciples that were in town during that time, and they're getting ready to go over to a town called Emmaus. And that town's about seven miles away, and they're leaving Jerusalem to head that way. Well, in the course of their travels, they're talking to one another. <laughs> And they're talking about what happened, and they're talking about uh, Jesus and all the things that are taking place. And while they're on their way, while they're walking, and this is where we see some miracles of God taking place right here, and we see them as they're walking along, and all of a sudden come up alongside them is a man. Now, they couldn't recognize him. If you go back and you look in the scriptures in the beginning of this, they didn't recognize who he was. They wasn't certain he had not revealed himself in his glorified body to them at this point. And so they're walking along the way, and they're talking with them, and, and, uh, and, and Jesus asks them a question. He said, hey, what are you all talking about? And, uh, and so they begin to talk about it. He says, what, are you a stranger to this place? Why, why how, don't you know about Jesus and what Jesus did and, and all these things? And, and we're not sure now because there was nobody in the tomb when they got there. And uh, so we're not really sure what happened. And so they're talking, and the gentleman's name is Cleopas. Some believe that his wife was the other disciple. Some believe that maybe another disciple was with him. But they were just talking, and Jesus is talking with them now. And Jesus said, <laughs> you, 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 you don't realize what has happened? And so they come to the place now where they're actually sitting down. And Jesus told them, hey, listen, I got a journey that I must go a little bit further. And they encouraged him to stay. And so that's kind of where we're picking up now, that they encouraged him to stay and to have a meal with them. And so we see this in the scripture. So this is the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and a walk on the road to Emmaus. So there's this conversation that happens between Jesus and these disciples. And it ends in something. <laughs> And it's so wonderful. There's sweet fellowship that takes place, first of all, because they're getting together and they're breaking bread and they're eating together. And then what happens is, is that Jesus then reveals himself to them. And their eyes are open. And another miracle takes place. And that next miracle that took place, it says, he vanished out of their sight. Now, this is not uh, magicians and magic. This is the power of God. And he moves Jesus out of the way. And here they come to this place and they said, and their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? Well, he talked with us, but notice what he talked to them about. <laughs> and it says their heart burned while he talked with us by the way. 
and while he opened to us the what? The scriptures. When the scriptures were opened, they had a burning inside of them. We'll talk about what that means in just a moment. And so a wonderful situation occurs here, and this eyes were open in the burning of the heart. So this is a very intimate setting, and when we see them there, because it's just Jesus and these two disciples. And they're sitting down having this meal together, so it's kind of an intimate situation. It's just the three of them. And God in the flesh, now resurrected in his glorified body through Jesus Christ, reveals who he is to them. I can't imagine that. I, I get the idea. Do you get the idea kind of like when we get to heaven, we'll go, oh, there he is. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what took place. I think they, they, their eyes were open and all of a sudden they realized, wait a minute, this is Jesus. This is the one we're talking about. Oh, and the story gets wonderful because they go back that seven-mile trip back into Jerusalem and they get around and the 11 are gathered there now. Now, one was gone. His name was Judas, right? So you see the 11 gathered together and they're kind of communing and trying to figure this whole thing out. And they make a statement that's just amazing and it says in verse 34, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Listen, what he told us is true, isn't it? Man, it's exciting. And so what happens is this sweet fellowship. And so our eyes, I believe, when we fellowship with Christ are open, I believe our hearts will burn in us as we read his word. And so I challenged myself as I read this again. <laughs> Robert, does your heart burn within you when you spend personal time with Christ? So now I want you to plug your name in. Chris, does your heart burn within you when you spend that time? Brother Daryl does it. Brother Mike. Does your heart burn within you, James, Steve, Jack, when you're spending that sweet time with Christ, Brother Dan? Does it burn within you? And I want to challenge you ladies, when you're alone with him, does it burn? And I love this passage. And he says, does your heart burn within you as you spend that personal time with Christ? You know, this type of burning inside, knowing you're in true fellowship with the Savior, I think is a wonderful thing. There are times when I like it, when the Lord will awake us and he'll have a time that he wants you to be alone with him. Have you had those times where you wake up in the night and, and, and you get alone with Jesus and, and you just start reading the scriptures and you start watching how God's intervening in your life or working in your life and, and he begins to open it up to you and you don't want to put it down. You don't want to part ways with him. You don't want that sweet fellowship to end. You want it to be maintained. And you say, well, you have the spirit of the Lord in you and we do. And, and, and there are those real special times. Are you with me? Was this not a special time for this couple to have seen this? And it's a very special time. So when you have an intimate relationship with Christ, I think Jesus will cause sweet fellowship to come. I love doing my devotions with my wife in the morning. And, and, and it's not just her and I. It's her and I communing together with Christ. I love those times. And, and there's nothing sweeter than that. And we read the scriptures and, and God begins to open up things to us. And we talk about the Christ that saved us. We talk about the Christ whom the scriptures are written about. We talk about those things about Jesus. And, and, and I, I feel so full whenever those times happen. But you know, there's those very special times where it's me and Jesus alone. And I hope you have those times where it's just you do not want to be out of fellowship with him. You want those very sweet, precious times where you're opening the word of God and he's revitalizing your soul and he's helping you understand his truths and he's giving you something that no man could give you and some sweet fellowship. 
And I believe this too. When you have an intimate relationship with Christ, he'll cause your eyes to be open. <laughs> he'll cause your eyes to be open to truth. When you open the Bible, uh, you begin to see things that you had not seen before. It reveals stuff about us, doesn't it? It reveals sometimes who we are and, and what we are not to be. <laughs> And, and he reveals to us things that are in us that ought to be out of us and things that are out of us that ought to be in us, amen? And there's those sweet times and, and he begins to open your eyes to, your, to the scriptures, to his love letter to us, and he begins to say, here, how you're supposed to treat your wife, Bob, and here, here's how you're supposed to raise your children, Bob, and, and here's how you're supposed to treat other people, Bob, and here's the relationship that you have with me, Bob, and here's how we're supposed to be meeting together, Bob, and here's the things that we ought to be speaking about, Bob, and here's the things that ought to be on your mind, Bob, and here's all the stuff that Jesus wants me to know. And it's sweet. And my eyes are open under the Scriptures, as yours are too, because I don't have anything that you don't have if you're saved. Amen? Am I right? you got the same Holy Spirit I got. <laughs> And I'm telling you, there are those beautiful, beautiful times alone with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what happens is this. That heartburn begins. Oh, yeah. That heartburn begins. Do you know what that heartburn is? I can't get enough of it. Amen? This isn't that big old hoagie there sitting in front of you, meatball hoagie with cheese all over it and onions and green peppers with marinara sauce over the top. Amen? And extra mozzarella cheese just oozing out the side. And you waking up at night going, oh, I got heartburn. Because <laughs> you ate it at 7 instead of noon, right? And what it is, is you're talking about a burning of the heart, recognizing something. <laughs> and that is this. Sweet fellowship, the Word of God being revealed unto you, and it creates a desire in you <laughs> to want to be with Him, to walk with Him. I want to talk about how it produces this sweet fellowship. So if you look at verse 30, and it came to pass, as he said it meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to them. And you jump down to verse 33, and uh, we'll look at these three verses in conjunction with 30 because there's kind of a, a little parenthetical thing taking place in the middle. And it says, they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, the Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. I want to talk to you about sweet fellowship. You know, we might think that this is the first communion, or we might have in mind that this is the first communion, and it's not necessarily that. This is just an everyday, ordinary thing in life that people do. We sit down to eat, don't we? And, and, and we see that happening. And here's the wonderful thing about it. Jesus reveals himself in the everyday, ordinary type things that we do, doesn't he? And we don't see him sometimes, and he's vanished out of the way or he's vanished out of our sight because we don't see him in the everyday ordinary things that we ought to see him in. <laughs> and even when you're sitting down to food or sitting down to a plate or, or sitting it before you, I want you to know Jesus provided that. <laughs> we ought to thank him for it, and we ought to recognize him in the midst of it. And, you know, think about it sometimes when we're sitting down together at a meal with others, the things that you talk about. Now, if Brother Chris and, and Connie and myself and Anita went to lunch, we, we might talk about various things, but there's nothing sweeter than discussing Jesus Christ and his great name and the wonderful things about him. 
and you look to the scriptures and we see this, it's a really very intimate time between us and our Savior. And we have a picture of what might be considered that first communion, but really it's just Jesus in an everyday normal setting of life. And so we see fellowship with Christ and we see fellowship with Christians. And, and it's not just taking some elements. And it's like when we do communion, I want you to understand that's not a playtime when we do this in, that in this church. It's a very serious time in our church when we partake of that. And when we fellowship in the fellowship hall, it's not really a playtime. It's a time to fellowship. When he talks about fellowshipping, it's not just about how my day went, but it's about how Jesus worked in my life maybe that week. When have you had that conversation last with someone? <laughs> about that sweet fellowship that you had with Christ and what Christ is doing in your life and how he's affecting your life and how he's affecting your mind and how he's affecting your day and, and the things that he has done for you and the things that you are planning uh, to take to him to see what he wants to do about it. And that sweet fellowship is really communing with him and talking to him. This is a time of intimacy a very special tribe between Jesus and you. You know, this was so significant to Cleopas and the disciples. Man, they got back into town and they said, hey, we just want to tell you something. Hey, what Simon told you, it's true. <laughs> He's risen. They were excited about it. They were so excited about it. And they said, listen, we even sat down and ate with him. He's real. Do you know what that else helps us with? <laughs> that if you read the whole rest of the chapter, you'll find out. That Jesus said, just, it's me. He appears in the midst of them after this when they go back into Jerusalem. And what it is, our glorified body is going to be a body that we receive at the resurrection. <laughs> and, and, and you see this happening at the rapture. And he takes us up out and we receive a glorified body. Listen, they recognized him. He allowed them to recognize them. I'm telling you, in our glorified bodies, I'm going to know who you are and you're going to know who I am. I'm not going to be something that you can't figure out, and I'm not some angel. And by the way, when we die and go to heaven, we don't become angels, amen? We are saved people in the presence of God, amen? And so when you look at this, you see this, and here's the question that I have for you. Are you fellowshipping, having sweet communion with Christ on a daily basis? You know, it's so wonderful. He's available to us all the time. He's available to us all the time. Uh, let me read some verses to you. Uh, if you want to turn to one, you're welcome to. But in Luke 4, 4, he said, And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it, and he gave unto them in verse 22, 19, or chapter 22, verse 19, And he took bread and gave thanks and break it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. I think when he sat down to have a meal with those folks, he was reminding them when he blessed it that he is the bread of life. He was reminding them of that. And man cannot live by bread alone. We need Christ, and I think that's what he was showing them at that moment. He was saying, you need me. And folks, we need Jesus Christ, amen? We need him all around us. In John 6, he said, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. In verse 48, he said, I am the bread of life. In verses 50 and 51, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of, of the world. And in verse 58, he said, this is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. I think 
Jesus broke bread with those people right there to remind them he is the bread of life. You can see it in the scriptures. And without him, we cannot have life. We must have him. We must know him. Cleopas went back to Jerusalem, and he has this intimate conversation. <laughs> he comes back, and, and he's just confirming what Peter, uh, Peter Simon had said, what, what Cephas said. That's his name. That's Peter. He's talking about what Peter observed. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians, and I want you to look at a set of verses in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul's speaking here, and just to clarify the reason I'm reading this, is because it confirms when Cleopas went back and said, hey, what Peter said is true, Paul then affirms it as well. Watch this. Look at chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve. And what I share with you is this, he said, by the which also you, uh, ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye had believed in vain. When those people were walking along that road to Emmaus, <laughs> I think there was doubt in their heart. And by the way, if you read it, you'll find out there was a bit of doubt. <laughs> was Jesus real? You know, as a saved individual, we can come to that place, can't we? We can get to the place where we wonder if Jesus is real now. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus is real. <laughs> I know he's real in my life. I know if I part this earth, heaven is my home. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. And Jesus is so real, and he wants to reveal himself unto you, and that occurs by you getting into sweet fellowship with him. You say, preacher, how do you do that? You get alone with him. You pray to him. You read his word. You ask him to help you with what you've read. You say, Lord, I desire to know this, to understand it. Because when I read this verse... It says here, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he yet talked with us by the way? And while he opened to us the scriptures, that word opened means that he brought understanding to truth. That's what that means. And when you're in sweet fellowship with Christ and you begin to open up the scriptures, he brings it to your understanding. He helps you understand what it means. That intimate time with Christ should occur often as a believer, which always helps us to see that truth. You know, when we pray, we read, we study, we need to get in contact with God. We need to be in close contact with Him, and that sweet fellowship will start to occur in our lives. So what happened? Personal time with Christ brings clarity to His Word. When I look at this, I can't imagine as they were sitting there and He vanished out of their sight, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while, we talked with, uh, while He talked with us, by the way, and while He opened to us the Scriptures... And when I think about it, and their eyes were opened. You know, there's some times that I've read the Bible, and I get to that place like, hmm, and I just move on. But then there comes a time in my life where I need something, or something's occurred in my life, some happening in my life, some circumstance, some situation, and God begins to open the Word. 
and you open up a passage of Scripture and something that seemingly had no meaning to you before, suddenly it means a lot to you, doesn't it? (laughs) And you begin to see something that you had not seen before. And God begins to open his word to you. I believe that's what he's talking about. And it opened their eyes. (laughs) They began to understand this truth. And as they began to understand this truth, it began to change them. And they knew that now they were speaking to the Savior. Listen, when you read the Scriptures, you can't help but understand that they are about Jesus Christ. Amen? And it does not make any matter whether you're in the Old Testament or in the New Testament or you're in the book of Revelation. It doesn't matter. They are about Him. Because the Bible clearly teaches us that as well. And when I look into this, their eyes were opened. I want you to consider this. This not only was an intimate setting, but an amazing miracle occurred to further show the power and truth of God. In the course of the time of fellowship with Jesus, he opened their eyes. And this is not a matter of them having them closed, but eyes that did not see the truth that was sitting before them. And sometimes we open the scriptures and we do not see the very truth that is sitting before us. And the very thing that he wants us to understand. Now I want to read a verse to you, and this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Would you turn to Matthew chapter 13? I want you to look at this. And Jesus is speaking here, and in verses 15 and 16 of Matthew 13, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. Look at verse 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross. Are we in the same place? I want you to listen to what it says now. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of what? And their eyes they have what? Closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they what? They hear. He's talking to the disciples now. Here's what happens to us, folks. And listen, don't let this happen in your Christian life. (laughs) Don't let this happen to you. We will begin to close our ears to truth and we'll begin to close our eyes to truth. And it will vanish out of the way. We won't get it anymore. And we'll start walking with the world again. We'll start walking in our flesh again. And we'll start giving in to the temptations of the devil because our eyes are now closed And our ears can no longer hear anymore because our hearts have waxed gross and we have no understanding anymore. And you say, well, the Spirit of God is in us, yes, but he's looking for that sweet fellowship, that sweet communion, and you coming and opening up the Scriptures and he brings them to you and your eyes begin to open and your heart is ready to receive again. We can become pretty hard after we've sat in a pew for too many years We can get pretty hard to truth. We can say, I know that, I've heard that, I've seen that, and I no longer need to listen to that because I already know that. I am telling you, you're going to fail. You're going to fall, and you're going to fall to the attacks of Satan. And that is what will start happening to you regardless of the years that you've been saved. You walk away from God, and I promise you, you'll fall. He said, submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. He told us to draw nigh unto God. He did not give an age account for that person, did he? He simply told us, you better stick with the stuff. (laughs) 
because the devil's right around the corner and the world wants to convince you and the devil wants to use the world and he wants to use your flesh and he wants you to fail. He wants you to be defeated. He wants you to walk away from God and yet Jesus Christ wants your eyes open. And it's only going to happen by you being in the truth of the Word of God. When I look to this, when you spend time with the Lord, you'll begin to view Him in yourself and the world through a different lens. You will no longer be looking at the world through man's eyes, but you'll look through it by truth. You know, Brother Bill, when I sit and watch Fox and I listen to all these things that are going on in the world, man, I'm not listening to what Donald Trump's saying or what the Senate has to say or what Nancy Pelosi has to say. You know what I'm thinking about? Is he coming soon? When you look at all the things that are going on around us, the lies and the deception and the false news, huh? And I just keep thinking in my heart, brother, it can't be much longer. Because <laughs> I look around and I think to myself when I open the Bible and I read the scriptures, I don't know how much longer he's going to tarry. And you see the stuff that's going on, folks. <laughs> and listen, he wants you as believers to have your eyes open. Listen, I pray when that trumpet sounds, you have ears to hear. Amen? Yep. I pray that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. When you spend time with him, things begin to happen. So here's what happened. Jesus vanished out of their sight. And I thought, why did he do that? You ever read something, Brother Chris, and go, what in the world did he do that for? He's sitting down having lunch with him. <laughs> Brother Jim's not here, so I'll pick on him. That's what he does at lunch whenever the bill comes. <laughs> he vanishes out of my sight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But there they are having a meal, and Jesus just, what in the world, Jesus, what are you doing? I thought you almost had them convinced. I think he did have them convinced. And you know what it was? It wasn't that their eyes could see him anymore. They had to do what? Believe in their heart that it was true, didn't they? They couldn't see him anymore. Hey, listen, how many of you remember the day you got saved? Now, you may, might not remember the day, date, and time, and I don't remember the time, but I remember the day and date. Not everybody does that, but how many remember the day you got saved? Amen? Amen. Man, what a glorious day that was. And the day that that happened, did Jesus vanish out of my sight, or is he still within view of me? And I, I looked at this, and, and I began to think Jesus vanished out of their sight, but remember, this was not about what you could see with your physical eyesight, but that you would maintain this truth in your heart, knowing it was truth. It really is. How many of you believe that he died and rose again the third day? Amen. Amen. How many of you believe that he paid for your sin? <laughs> hey, he's just trying to convince Cleopas, I'm the guy. <laughs> he's just trying to convince them of this truth. And I began to think, you know, <laughs> we were talking about Job this morning in, in Sunday school a little bit. And, and I thought this, in Job 38, 36, he said, Who hath put wisdom in the inner parts? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who does that for you? If we gain understanding by the world, we're going to lose it. Would you agree? If we gain understanding by the world, we're going to lose it. We have to be in the Scriptures to view things from the lens of Jesus Christ. We have to see it for what it is. You know, I thought about that wonderful gift that God gave us. He gave us Jesus Christ, didn't he? He said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life, but it's through Jesus Christ, isn't it? He affirms that with us, and God commended her. He demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
God reminds us of who Jesus is. And, and I look at this and I see the gift of God is Jesus Christ. And the gift of Christ is eternal life. And Christ gives us the Spirit of God. What, know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Ye are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. God said this in the scriptures. He said, I want you to know this truth. God gave us Christ. Christ is the gift from God. The gift from Christ to you and me is eternal life. Amen? And Christ then gives us the Holy Spirit to help us better serve him and maintain the right kind of relationship with him. Listen, we don't have to make any more sacrifices because the sacrifice has been made now. And so he gives us the spirit of the Lord and he wants us to open our eyes unto the scriptures to see what he's done for us. What great power. Listen, if you don't have time alone with the Lord, believe me, he'll vanish out of your sight, Mike. You won't recognize him hardly anymore. You won't be able to see him like you did in the time past. You know, Brother Craig, it'll happen, man, and all of a sudden, it's not as important anymore. It won't matter anymore. And, and listen, I'll try to work through it on my own. How many of you Christians in here have battled a time where you went alone without Christ, and man, it ended in disaster? Would you agree? <laughs> but boy, when you're walking with him, and you're counting on him to help you through it, man, it's amazing what he'll allow us to see. He'll allow us to make that right turn instead of that left. Amen? He'll allow us to see the path that we ought to be on and the path that we're taking. He'll reveal to us things in us that we could not see before, but when we open his scriptures and he opens them up to us and he opens our eyes, we begin to see things from a very different lens. <laughs> Beginning to see it by truth. I love this passage. He said in John 14, 26, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Jesus said, everything I've told you, I'll bring it to your remembrance. I'll help you see things that you could not see before. And he does it by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, which resides in you and in me. And listen, if you're saved, the next thing that ought to happen is an intimate relationship is being developed. And you begin to pray, and you begin to read, and you begin to study His Word, and your personal time with the Lord will cause a desire in you to be with Him often. Look at verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? Well, He talked with us by the way, and while He opened to us the Scriptures. You know, this verse caused a burning in my heart personally, and I began thinking about how it's so needful for us to share Christ with all those we come in contact with. And I thought about a burning heart begins with the Lord being able to speak to us through his scriptures. See, God's not, uh, you know, showing up in my bedroom that way. He's not coming to my dinner table that way. But what he's given me is this. <laughs> this is it. And this tells us all about him. Amen? Now I want you to look at a verse with me, okay? You got your Bible in hand? I want you to go back and look at verse 27. Now, just to help you, let's start in verse 25 so you understand that these couple is walking along with him. Watch what happens. Luke 24. He says in verse 25, Then he said unto them, what's the next two words? Now, imagine pastor come in here this morning and said, Listen, you bunch of fools. <laughs> That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? My daughter said to me this morning, we were coming over 
uh, in the car, and she said, you know, Daddy, you said one time from the pulpit that God's word offends. It does. It's offensive at times. What did he just call the two that he's walking with? What did he tell them? You fools. <laughs> now watch what he called them fools for. He said, oh, fools and slow of what? Heart. Now later on, their heart began to do what now? Burn, didn't it? And he says this, and he says, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into glory? And beginning, now watch this, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning what? What? Himself. The Bible is Jesus Christ. When he says Moses, he's talking about the Old Testament, the law, the Septuagint. He's talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He's saying that was all written about me. And then he says the prophets. And so you go in and you read the major prophets and the minor prophets and, and you begin to understand it was about him. It was all about him. And he expounded this to them. And he began to tell them who he was. And he said, listen, this is all about me. And today, you have everything you need to know about him right here. Amen? And you need to spend time in it. Why? It'll create a desire in you. It'll open your eyes. It is a sweet time of fellowship. You come to the place where you're in the Word and you're reading the Word and it begins to do something to you. So through the fellowship, praying, reading, studying, and communing with the Lord, He'll bring you to a burning heart. That heartburn is to be consumed. Now listen, I think about how the bush was burning and yet what happened? It was not what? Consumed. And the Spirit of the Lord works in us that way, that it's all consuming, but we're not eaten up by it or we're not burned up by it but we're consumed with it and here's what happens when you are saved and you open his word and you begin to read it what happens is the spirit of the lord is in you and it causes agreement i agree with god that's the heartburn and a desire to know it jesus christ is the word when you pray and you're speaking to Christ, think about that for a moment. When you're kneeling and praying, how do we have access to God, folks? In the name of what? How do we do that? When we pray, how do we have access to God? In the name of Jesus Christ. When men end prayer in this church, what do they say? In what? Jesus' what? Name, isn't it? Our access to the Father comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have access to God in prayer. Listen to me. Jesus said that the Holy Ghost is now in you, and he'll bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever he has said unto you. And so when I open the Word of God, the Spirit of the Lord resides in me, and so whether I'm praying, Jesus opens up the way, doesn't he? If I'm reading the Word, Jesus opens up the way. Isn't that wonderful? Hey, listen, when I begin to study, he said, study to show thyself approved unto whom? God, not someone else. When I study the word of God, Jesus begins to open up the word to me. Hey, when I give, Jesus gives me the power to give, doesn't he? He said, press down and without measure, is it? Give and it shall be what? Given unto you. Jesus said, when you give, it's given unto you. Jesus has the power to do that. Oh, and then he says, serve. Serve him. 
serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. You see, Jesus says, when you do this, listen, I'll help you. You'll not be cast down when you serve me. And then he tells us to witness, doesn't he? He says, witness for me. He tells you and me, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, lo, I'm with you. How often? I'm always with you. (laughs) You see, there is nothing, nothing apart from him that we really can accomplish. Oh, we should have that desire to be that close to him. We should have that burning desire in our heart to know him better, to, to get to that place where we have this relationship with him. It is he that brings that all-consuming fire. This happens in salvation. It happens in your spiritual growth as you mature and your prayer life and in your faith in Christ, it begins to grow. I'm reading a book right now, and it's old. <laughs> and I challenge you, some of you know the name. His name's Andrew Murray. And people don't write like this anymore. If you want a copy, I'll certainly get it for you. It's 99 cents. <laughs> but it's called With Christ in the School of Prayer. And on page 100, I want you to understand this. This is what he says on page 100. And the reason I'm reading it is because he just continually refers back to Scripture. Let me show you what Jesus said. (laughs) How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Is your prayer life a life of, Lord, let me tell you what I need for myself? (laughs) Or is your prayer life a life of worship? You know, when we first get saved, this is what Murray's talking about, and then he said, after you're saved for a while, your prayer life ought to mature, and and after you've been saved quite a while, there should be a maturity in your prayer life. There should be a change in your prayer life. Let me read to you what he wrote. Andrew Murray, he said, in Christ's teaching on prayer, there appear, appear to be three stages in the prayer life, somewhat analogous or similar. In the Sermon on the Mount, we have the initial stage. His teaching is comprised in one word, Father. Pray to your Father. Your Father sees and hears and knows and will reward how much more than an earthly Father. Only be childlike and trustful. And so he tells us in Matthew 6, you remember the disciples come to him and he said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And so he gives them this simple prayer to pray. How many of you know the, what we call the Lord's Prayer? Amen. I don't think that's the Lord's Prayer. I think it's a model prayer. I think if you go read John 17, you'll find out the Lord's Prayer. That's just a model prayer in the Scriptures, and he's given that to the disciples to teach them how to begin to pray. Are you with me? It's kind of like an infant. You know, Miss Stephanie, it's like when when the baby's little and, you know, you're feeding the bottle, but pretty soon she'll get to the place where you don't have to hold the bottle anymore, right? Am I right, Brianna? And then they want to set up at the table with you. And then Craig's got to give up some of his steak, and he's not looking forward to that day. Buddy, I got two boys. I push them away. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And the thing of it is, is that there's a growth in a child, isn't there? Do you know there ought to be growth in our faith, shouldn't there? And so what he's saying is, is when you first get saved, you're at that initial stage. He was talking to those disciples, and he said, pray unto the Father. (laughs) Pray unto the Father. Kind of get to that initial stage. And then the second thing is this. Listen. He makes this statement. He says, then comes ladder uh, on something like the transition stage of conflict and conquest in words like these. This sort goeth not out but by fasting and prayer. Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry day and night unto him and then have in the parting words a higher stage? And here's what happens. He's saying, then comes the problems, doesn't it? 
you get saved and all these problems start entering in. And then you've got these conquests and you've got these conflicts and God says, listen, it's time to fast and pray now, isn't it? It's time to start fasting and praying. Fasting is not a diet. Fasting is about your relationship with God. And he said, you ought to start fasting and praying. And the reason that we do this, sometimes we got troubles that enter in. And listen, the devil is against us. The world is against us. Our flesh is against us. We want to be in sweet fellowship with Christ Jesus. We want to have our eyes open to truth. And I'm telling you, it begins when you begin to pray and fast. And God begins to open up some things to you. Then there's a next level, Chris. Listen to this. And he says this, the children have become men. We grow up. We grow up in our faith. And we become men. He says the children have become men. They are now the master's friends from whom he has no secrets, to whom he says all things that I have heard from my father I made known unto you. And to whom it is oft repeated, whatsoever you will. His hands, uh, he hands over the keys to the kingdom. Now the time has come for the power of prayer in his name to be proved. I want you to turn to John 15 with me. You're there in Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Turn to John 15. Everybody with me? Say amen. Look at verse 14 to help make this flow. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I what? Command you. It's a big deal, isn't it? We've moved from infancy to what now? Growth. Look at verse 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. There's some growth, isn't there? You know what I think we're afraid to pray sometimes? Brother Mike, I said in the prayer room, I want five families before December, amen? Brother Mike's praying, he said, Lord, pastor, after five, I know you can give us more. That's faith. Is that not true? starting to mature, you realize God's capable of doing some things that we have no ability to do. And you begin to mature in your faith. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would allow me to win someone to Christ for your name's sake. Are you afraid to pray that? Well, what if it doesn't happen? <laughs> pray it again. He's saying mature in your faith. Whatever you ask of him, he's willing to give it to you. So you've gone from holding the bottle to you remember whenever everything was like in a jar... And I thought my wife had a jar of tutti-frutti sitting there one day, and I took a big gulp of it, and it wasn't tutti-frutti. How many of you have eaten that little Gerber stuff? Come on, Craig, I know you've eaten it, man. Come on now. Tutti-frutti, it's good for you, man. And you eat that minced-up stuff. Man, them green beans, I put them in my mouth, and no wonder the kids eventually start going. (laughs) And you find more of it here than you do in there, right? You eat that stuff for only so long, and then they're like, where's McDonald's? Right? They want that stuff out of them. I think that's us in our Christian life. 
This is a type of intimate relationship with Jesus, and it brings understanding. Let me give you these verses, and I'll finish with this today. In 2 Peter 3.18, the Bible says, But grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow. Amen? Grow. And here's the question you have to ask yourself. Do you have heartburn for Christ? Do you have that burning heart, that desire? Do, do, do you want that sweet fellowship? Do you want when you open the Bible or when you hear the preaching of his word that God begins to open up stuff to you that you've not seen before? Do you desire to have that kind of relationship with him? He tells us in John 15, 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bring, bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. If a man abide not in me, he, cast, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. It tells us that in John 15, 4, 6, and 7, and 10. He's talking about now that relationship. We abide in him and he in us. It's different now. Maturity has come. And then he says to these two disciples, did not your heart burn? You know, you think about them sitting there. Did not our heart burn within us? When you pick this up and you read it, does not your heart burn within you anymore? You say, well, preacher, I've never had it. Well, today's the day. Today's the day. Let it burn within you. Sweet fellowship. Have your eyes open to truth and allow this burning, a healthy burning, abiding in that close, intimate, personal relationship with him. Let's pray.